Welcome to Librarians Allowed, an independent podcast presented by the Academic and Special Library section of the Library Association of Ireland. I'm your host, Laura Rooney-Ferris, and welcome to episode 16. A special welcome if you're tuning in for the first time, and particularly if you're a new librarian or if you are a library student. Um, The next couple of episodes are going to focus on groups who cater to students and to early career librarians. So in this episode I talk to Claire Murnan. Claire is one half of SLIP Ireland. SLIP is Student Librarians and Information Professionals and they aim to provide a space for students and new information professionals to explore their own research and practice interests. So Claire talked to me about her own experiences going into the world of librarianship and the story behind the development of SLIP. Okay, so I'm here with Claire Murnan. Claire, welcome to Librarians Allowed, and thank you very much for joining me. Uh, Claire, you are one of the two people responsible for SLIP Ireland. Um, So thanks very much for agreeing to have a chat with me. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So maybe we'll start as we usually do at the beginning. What was what's your kind of introduction to the world, the big bad world of librarians and libraries and all <laughs> such things, information profession? Yeah, um so I think I have a very similar story to a lot of people, which is I didn't actually set out to become a librarian. librarian. It was yeah, accidental librarian. I think there's very few people who you have talked to anyway who that was, was their end goal person who yeah. said I wanted to be a librarian yeah. other than that I, I've tended to be very lucky in things that I've studied um, when it turned out that it was just actually what I was supposed to do so mm-hmm. um, I did a degree in philosophy in Trinity and it wasn't what I'd set out to do but it was absolutely perfect and I loved it it was exactly meant for me um and then I graduated in 2013 and I decided then that I didn't really I, I loved philosophy and I loved my degree but I didn't want to stay in academia it's a mm-hmm. it's a really hard life and it wasn't really something that drew me in especially at that time I wanted to kind of get into the world and work and have those sorts of work experiences and um, so I tried to get a job 2013 was a very difficult yeah. time here to get a job in anything and surprisingly having a philosophy degree doesn't make you very employable <laughs> so I decided to look yeah, for something that would make me see <laughs> yeah yeah maybe other people on the podcast as well yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah um so I looked around for something that might make me more employable so obviously chose librarianship no <laughs> yeah so employable <laughs> but I um I looked around um I knew I wanted to do a master's degree but I wasn't sure in what um so I looked around I'm not even sure how I came across the MLIS and mm. um, it was probably just like in a prospectus or something for UCD it was just kind of scouring everything what looks interesting to me and that kind of stood out um, to me especially the information studies side of it mm. that 
totally incorporates philosophy things that I'm interested in and it had the practical side of it as well and it seemed like it was a good match for it things I was interested in and things that are a real job as opposed to being foster isn't really a real job anymore (laughs) a lot of people have said that actually people who kind of took a step in the direction of pure academia Mm -hmm. and then sort of realized no I I want something that's got a little bit more of a solid kind of career practical career path yeah and then chose the the librarianship direction as kind of a meeting of the two Mm -hmm. absolutely and I think what really solidified that it was a good choice was when I was I had never worked in a library before so you know I did the MLIS and UCD so I needed work experience so I I think I wrote letters so I think I was very anxious about it and I wrote actual letters to people as opposed to emails um even though everyone just emailed me back but to try and get work experience I it was kind of late in the year I applied in June or July mm-hmm. um and then started in September so I didn't have that long to get it and every single person I reached out to was so nice so helpful went out of their way because it was so late in the year lots of people had to say no they already had you know someone doing work experience or they didn't have the time um you know to supervise someone and every single person first of all got back to me which was amazing um and everyone said i can't but here's someone else who can help you i've already spoken to them here's their number they're expecting your call um that was amazing I was like well if these are the people I'm going to work with I think I've made a good choice everyone's lovely yeah, <laughs> that's a really nice introduction to yeah. what the profession is like yeah it, it was the right thing to do we like, help each other out yeah usually <laughs> because I, I had never considered librarianship I never really thought about it as a job you know when, when you're young you don't really think about you think about things that are jobs listed in picture books you don't really think about things that are non-traditional mm-hmm. especially like an information professional that's not yeah, no yeah, no six-year-old really yeah, yeah no six-year-old like, is saying like yeah like, no six-year-old is saying oh I want to be an information professional or an information officer when I'm mm-hmm. when I'm grown up when I was a kid I wanted to be an author or a, a private investigator like a detective <laughs> a, like a proper Raymond Chandler style detective Mm. and but it turns out that I'm not very creative so I'm definitely not creative enough to be a fiction author Um, and the only way I have looked into this the only way you can be a PI in Ireland is to be a retired guard Um, yeah so that's the only people who are private (laughs) investigators in Ireland are retired guards and we do have private detectives you know yeah that, that really just doesn't have the same sort of you know, intriguing, slightly sexy quality. No, <laughs> absolutely not. No, the reality of it. Like, well, I've never someone like that. <laughs> yeah, the reality of it is kind of Seamus disappointing. Seamus Garda doesn't really have the same sort of... Less the Yeah, yeah. It's not great. But uh, this is... This sounds facetious, but I don't mean it that way. I do think that being a librarian can combine those things can combine a, being a bit of a detective and um the kind of side of literature or you know the arts or mm-hmm. in general or humanities because you're kind of an information detective yeah that might the sound detective. a bit naff but it, but it's true easier, you can spend yeah, a lot of your very strong yeah absolutely like research is essentially being an information detective and you're at the heart of research no matter what kind of library you work in really um so so I had never intended to, so I did the masters and 
um, in UCD and when I was in my undergrad I had a lot of library anxiety and I re- I was terrified of the library I don't no offense to anybody who works in Trinity because I'm sure you're all really nice but I honestly I never spoke to anybody who worked there because I was so intimidated by the very idea of it I was so terrified about knowing oh which books can I borrow and which books can't I borrow it, you know it was I found it very tense and I had to get someone to show me how to use the library like a friend of mine because I had missed my library tour, you know, something yeah, I didn't get an induction. One, kind of a point of no return then. Yeah. I remember that from my undergrad where I was like, well, I, yeah. I missed the, the tours <laughs> at the beginning. And yeah. then I just got to a certain point where it was like, well, I can't really ask them now. I'm just going to have to figure it out for myself. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think the other thing as well for my course in philosophy, it was like a, a quite a small group when we used like Blackboard or Moodle or, you know, one of those things. And most of our reading was just given to us. You know, most of our, mm. we had readings for the class and they were just up as PDFs. So a lot of times we didn't have to seek out um, or we didn't necessarily have to seek out any extra reading very early on. So it wasn't until it was kind of, you, sh- felt, you felt like you, <laughs> yeah. That, kind of building that information but, seeking skills yeah. into your course but that's something that I kind of use now like I work in UCD now as a library assistant and that's something that I keep in mind all the time that someone might you know you might have someone who's in second or third year coming into the library and they don't know how to use the library and you know that could happen a lot because they might have never needed to use the library before Mm. and you know you shouldn't obviously we're never going to judge people in the library but you shouldn't judge people harshly for not not knowing yeah well not to their face yeah um but that was so I was very excited to find something you know when I started the MIS I I really enjoyed the information studies side of it I was really excited to find something that had cool practical aspects you know I just fell in love with it once I started and incorporated things that are really important to me as a person you know like accessibility um dissemination of information intersectional feminism like Mm -hmm. all of those things could be incorporated into a career like something that you're doing for your job and you know it can be vocational for a lot of people mm. to, to do this job and there's a lot of self-identification with the job and kind yeah of, you know, associating yeah yourself really closely with the role yeah especially now because we're having so many debates especially here about um i think it was on lib hocus recently that you know should we retire the word librarian yeah i think uh, i don't my two cents that i was thinking about today it's not an original thought but no matter what we call ourselves the students or the patrons are still going to call us librarians yeah if we call even if we call ourselves a you know resource manager or an information professional we're not going to be called that by people outside the profession so I think it's very different depending on what sort of environment you work in and I know this came up in the the discussion the debate at the 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 DPS oh the DPS yeah that you know people who work in an academic environment it absolutely makes sense for them to be called librarians mm-hmm. and they are always going to be called librarians if you deal with students they're just automatically going to call yeah. them a librarian but in sort of a corporate environment or in special libraries or when you're dealing with people who aren't mm-hmm. academics or who aren't other librarians sometimes it's easier to call yourself something else but I think my take on it is usually just you know know your audience and yeah. fit, fit your title to what works for them yeah so pick something that makes sense so that they're going to know what it is you bring to the table. Absolutely. Sometimes referring to yourself as a librarian, if you're dealing with people in a corporate environment, pigeonholes you Mm -hmm. and presents to them an assumption and a stereotype of what it is that you do that has nothing to do with your skill set. So you either have to change their perception by 
demonstrating your Mm -hmm. skill to them or you have to go in calling yourself something that they understand yeah something that to change my title from one minute to the next depending on what aspect of the job I'm doing yeah because you get the buy-in of respect from people maybe in Mm -hmm. the private sector or you know outside a university or public library and with a different title and you know you're doing the same job so at that point I don't think Mm -hmm. it really matters actually I think you're right yeah you can call yourself whatever you like yeah debate and kind of right discussion yeah at the moment about Either, either debate and discussion or is it navel gazing a little bit maybe yeah, um, yeah. Right, you know who we are and what we do but I think that in itself the fact that there is so much hand wringing and neurosis going on just mm-hmm. shows how much is going on in the profession yeah but there are so many options there's so much diversity yeah yeah and I think it goes show how broad the profession is that I mean ultimately the answer is it's going to be different for different librarians mm-hmm. I, because you know we do all, all very similar jobs but the fields are so wide really for for what kind of sector you're in really um so yeah so i started the mls in uh, 2014 in ucd um full-time and it was great i loved it mm-hmm. um and at the same time i um started as a shelver in ucd which was great it was really I had no library anxiety. It was like the total opposite. I had library confidence. Is that a thing? <laughs> but I was like so, yeah. studying to be I, a librarian. I love the that uh, library confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Into a <laughs> yeah. Just strutting around with my trolley, shelving yeah. all the books, answering queries left, right, and center. Sashaying yeah. through <laughs> the shelves. Yeah. Um. That may have been me, yeah, if you saw someone very confidently stride around the library in 2014, 2015. Um, But, you know, I was learning to be a librarian. I was working in the library where I was studying. So I knew where everything was that I needed to find. Um, So it made my um, experience very easy there, actually, of, like, it totally turned around what I knew about you know finding things and it did make, make me obviously being a librarian you know made me more confident to use other libraries and to kind of I think yeah. seeing both sides of that and it's something that I like seeing at work now um like my favorite thing is when you see someone at the start of the year and you might see them a lot at the start of the year mm-hmm. um because they're not really sure how to use their library they're not confident about their own ability to be able to find things or or use the library in the correct way and then you start to see them less and less because they've just figured it out yeah you know they don't need you anymore they've graduated know, away I from you the, the best kind of compliment that you can get yeah to, to see them kind of fly the nest and be able to do stuff yeah absolutely and sometimes you like those independent skills (laughs) yeah and sometimes you see people this probably sounds a little bit creepy but like you might see someone who you helped a lot at the start of the inside the year and they just come in walk down short and borrow a few boxes of books and they're gone you know and that's gross like well done yeah how are you getting on (laughs) yeah yeah i did that (laughs) um yeah so so that was it but um after before i um you know got a library assistant job in ucd and after i finished the masters um i got an internship um which was fantastic in marshall's library so that was really amazing and i had actually applied to marshall's library for my work experience and um, but i wasn't able to do it at that time and i uh, when the internship was advertised for Marsha's I was so excited about it I really really wanted to get it because you know um, talking to Maria O'Shea who's the librarian there she was so nice and so kind and Marsha just seemed like special collections in general and you know rare books was 
a big draw for me um, when it's I was studying. Inspiring yeah, inspiring and beautiful place. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, absolutely. We had when I was doing the internship there. We had um, um, members of the fire brigade come in um, at various times to kind of do. Um, tours it was about you know our fire safety and marshes mm. and lots of them would come and be like oh my god it's like Hogwarts <laughs> and it was great <laughs> I really liked that every time they said yeah. it it was really it was really great um but that and especially because there's no rare books module on the course in UCD anymore I'm not sure if they have it in in DBS or in other library courses yeah I think you might touch on aspects um of you know maybe preservation conservation if you do the archives modules that you can take with the MLIS but but there's no standalone rare books module anymore which I think is a bit of a shame actually is that, that's quite a recent development I Am think I was it there when yeah, when, I think it was there yeah I'm not sure I'm not a, yeah I'm not a yeah I mean I don't know if they're no, but I think that they did have it yeah I'm not sure what the reasoning I think it might have just been that I think the person who taught it, you know, wasn't mm. available anymore. And I, I mean, it is a kind of hard area, um, because there, there aren't huge amounts of jobs directly in in just rare books in Ireland anyway. And mm. there's definitely limited availability for jobs for conservators in Ireland, and you can't really. There's no conservator course yeah. here, you know. Do you think maybe in a, in some way it's been kind of swallowed up a little bit by archives? I think sometimes, yeah. I feel like I, I feel like I don't know a lot about archives, and mm. I think so. Outside of the library profession, I think that people don't really realize that libraries and archives are so separate. But we we do function as quite separate. Um, professions a lot of the time um, and even yeah, though so often you would be there's been a lot of crossover yeah. in the last few years as yeah. more libraries are moving into kind of exploiting their archive collections absolutely and even in UCD um, the the um, archives department is now under the auspices of the library and so, and so is the National Folklore Collection so everything is being kind of drawn together which I think is, is good because it makes sense for users yeah. and it makes sense for us I think in terms of um, management maybe or or how we're perceived and you know to obviously there's been so many cuts across the sector and you know it's not like archives haven't been hit by that as well exactly, yeah. you, you know so it makes sense to you know present a united front kind of in that way mm. yeah maybe some kind of cross fertilization of kind of knowledge and skills as absolutely well. yeah complementary skills between the two areas yeah that are beginning to kind of mesh together now with big digitization project yeah yeah definitely and you know special collections and archives are often combined in a lot of mm -hmm. um institutions or organizations maybe smaller places you know yeah yeah absolutely so um, so my experience in marshes was amazing you know everyone there was so helpful it was I think the best possible internship you could do. Um, you know, I was working on um, cataloging, which I don't think you get the opportunity to do in a lot of places just as a recent grad to, you know, be able to sit and be taught, you know, obviously I've done the cataloging module, but you know, to be rare books cataloging is a really specific um, discipline unto itself. And, and Maria was um, really fantastic and taught us there was another intern as well Emmett and and 
taught us cataloging and gave us time gave us like reading to do like mm. you know the history of the book and you know we learned so much about the collection that's there and um i really liked like basically yeah given extra reading I would oh yeah homework <laughs> I want to give someone homework if they were coming in doing work for me yeah as an intern but yeah. I'd be too afraid well we did do it while we were there but I did look at things at home and I got really into paper marbling you know marble papers like I would like to do some paper marbling I did get some things to do that just in my spare time <laughs> you know just take up a little quick hobby of paper marbling but it, it was a really amazing experience and um, I learned so I learned more about cataloging actually cataloging books mm. you know that that's the only way you can really you can really learn it to be honest but my, yeah. one of my favorite parts of so that many, like, big libraries now you're not really cataloging like you're no exactly yeah and especially at that kind of level like I mean a library assistant in you know in my position now you know I wouldn't be cataloging books that would be you know the the librarian's job um so the other part of it that was actually my favorite part in marshes was you know supervising the readers so because you, you build up relationships but people are there you know they might be there every day for two weeks or they might be there every week for a whole year um and you get to build up relationships with them and sometimes you'll find things in the collection be like oh i'll have to show so and so this you know yeah. they were really interested in it and you know I was able to give people advice that um or researchers advice that I didn't even think I would be able to just for the sake of that we were sitting we all worked in the same room like Marsha quite relatively small so we all worked in the same room and you had to obviously to supervise them reading um but I was able to give advice about you know doing presentations you know oh what what are good resources for doing presentations because you know we had spent a lot of time doing that in in the masters and um this researcher hadn't spent a lot of time in their career doing it and I was able to point them towards good resources and you know you wouldn't necessarily expect that that wouldn't necessarily be part of your daily duties you know as a librarian there but it's obviously opened you up to some of the other aspects of yeah yeah I think that sort of I don't know you don't want to I know people don't like saying customer Mm. but that customer service or you know user interaction whatever patron reader choose what word you like and fill it in here Mm. um interaction is what I get the most out of really in in the job especially in in UCD where I've I've worked in UCD for a year as a library assistant now Mm. and so I started in client services and um I'm working collection services now yeah. So um, I think actually the thing that was most important for me in libraries in general and doing the masters um, and it's been important not just for you know getting jobs but meeting people and getting involved in the profession was going to events mm-hmm. which I tried to do a lot when I was a student and I tried to encourage students to do now as much as they can because it's the best time to go because you can usually get you might have a kind of different schedule because if you're a full-time student um although lots of students work full-time as well as mm. studying or work part-time yeah, study yeah, full-time yeah. like it's it's really amazing um but you can get often discounted rates or free rates or you can volunteer to help at conferences and you usually get to go to most yeah. of the conference if you're doing I volunteer at conferences yeah, I mean, and only too happy to have someone volunteer oh yeah you need so many volunteers so to do. yeah you need and you always need way more volunteers than you think you're going to need as well mm-hmm. and 
yeah that's hard um so i encourage people to to go to that so i've had kind of other library adjacent jobs in that time as well like i speaking of cataloging like i was a teaching assistant for lima in the um in ucd and i corrected the cataloging homework so for a while i was all cataloging all the time <laughs> that was wall to wall yeah i was like go to work cataloging go home cataloging <laughs> i'm not sure if i would really want that to be my whole career <laughs> yeah. it's not very customer focused or well it's, it is customer focused and that's why you catalog but it's not, not a lot of customer interaction or user interaction there no not really yeah I am so is that um, you're talking about kind of going to events and mm-hmm. uh, seeing the benefit of, of events for students is that where kind of the, the seed for um, SLIP came from what, what was the first step in, um, in setting up SLIP or thinking about so it wasn't really events we, we never actually thought that we would do events at the very beginning so um slip first of all stands for a student librarian and information professionals ireland um we never actually even considered really calling slip anything other than an acronym i think acronyms are just so embedded into librarianship i think sometimes i have acronym fatigue like sometimes it's really hard to find out what the acronym stands for Mm -hmm. so i try to put it everywhere um in the full the full version of it as much as i can because also slip sounds very like syllab if you say it quickly so people think it's yeah. like oh my god you were on syllab like in the uk i'm like no no of course i don't and you're never tempted to just go yes, yes yeah I do, um not yet anyway um but the, i mean the seed for that so uh, slip was founded by myself and helena Byrne, and helena really had the idea for it originally and it was um to create a place for students to talk to each other about the research that they were reading so we had a class where we ended up reading or lots of members of the class end up reading different articles and we would kind of write a pressy of them and mm-hmm. present it to the class and it, it meant that you were reading a lot of things in isolation that nobody else was reading and maybe you would get really interested in this particular thing that you were reading about you know information literacy or um oral history or something and you had no one really to talk to about it or maybe you were working on a research project and you had no one um, to talk um, to talk to about it so we wanted to create a space where you would have um, a place to put that sort of research um, and it started as a blog originally we still have the blog and that's like our bread and butter is having the blog and yeah. it's for people to talk about articles that they've, they've read or just research topics in general um, that they're interested in it sounds like a really good idea and, and <clears throat> you quite rightly say that sometimes you're reading something and reading in isolation so yeah. you're not really getting a chance to you know, sort of bounce out what you genuinely thought of what you'd read so yeah. you're pretty much just digesting it and moving on yeah. without any chance to kind of pick it apart or kind of yeah. really kind of reiterate what you got from mm-hmm. the reading you could set up your own blog but that's a lot just for you know one thing that you want to say really so it's helpful to, and it takes maybe a lot of confidence maybe a lot of library confidence to do that so it's nice to already have a space set up for you Mm -hmm. um where you can just talk about what you want to talk about maybe just once or maybe you can continue on and to sort of have that support network as well so like the central mission of slip is to 
bridge the gap between research and practice because that is something that concerns students it definitely concerned um, myself and Helena as well when we were studying which was how are we going to make the jump between you know being a full-time student librarian mm-hmm. to being a practitioner you know we don't all want to go down the research role um, even though you know I think librarianship as a whole has a lot of CPD and a lot of you know, people kind of remain career-long students to a certain extent yeah um, continuing to learn and kind of having to stay on top of new developments in, yeah is quite central to, to the role really so you, you do end up always studying yeah absolutely so we wanted to set up a space where we could sort of facilitate dialogue between students and academics and practitioners and researchers um in the field and you know we are for students we're not just purely for students it's kind of recent graduates as well really anyone could engage with us but um we focus on students because we were students at the time when we felt like this we didn't have our own um place necessarily our own independent place and so sleep is an independent organization where even though helena and i are both uh, ucd graduates sleep is for everyone it's it's for you know um, UCD students, DBS students, there's library students in Ireland who um, attend Ulster University. There's loads of library students in Ireland who are learning by distance learning in Aberystwyth yeah. or, or there's actually lots more distance learning courses as well. And they're usually people who are working in libraries. I know that that kind of used to be the case more so maybe 15 years ago that a lot of the people doing library courses had worked in libraries and wanted to make that jump to kind of professional grade jobs so they would go and you know get sent to to do the master's course yeah so a lot of that now tends to be that that kind of role is filled by people doing distance learning and i would love to bring all the distance learning students together (laughs) that's that's one of my goals i think that one of the things that was really appealing whenever organizations organizations like slip started to appear was you know seeing some sort of space for people studying or kind of early career um, librarians to kind of come together and it wasn't they, their, their connection wasn't all based on they all went to UCD together yeah because particularly for people who don't go down that route it mm-hmm. can be really isolating and yeah um, it takes a long time to kind of build up confidence to even go to events yeah absolutely I mean I remember the first uh, the first library event that I went to when I was a student was the Academic Special Libraries Conference mm-hmm. and it's huge it's like the biggest event <laughs> of the library <laughs> year <laughs> yeah I jumped straight in the deep end and I went and I was so terrified I was like welcome back library anxiety mm-hmm. thought it was <laughs> thought it was so cool <laughs> but no I was terrified and everyone was very nice but and I ended up going or meeting another student who I vaguely knew from the course there and we kind of stayed together for the whole day so I really recommend that to people which is go with a buddy or I would like to get you know slip to like go around yeah, with people ask the you know buddy, buddy up I was like I'll be your buddy at the at the event but it was such a great experience to go to ANSA and it was you know seeing what's happening in the library world meeting people we did you know it's easier to talk to people when you're a two when you're a little group together and I remember when the first people I talked to she didn't know I was going to say this but was Jenny O'Neill um and she was so nice to us she was so nice and I was like oh my god she's a speaker at this conference and she's speaking to me I can't believe it and I talked to her earlier today at work she she's a data manager in UCD now so I think that's really funny that I know Jane Burns, of course I'm going to mention Jane Burns, um, um, Jane Burns 
says in the management course that she teaches in UCD that it's sort of a unique position to be in because when she's teaching the course and when you know people are teaching the course when you're finished you become colleagues Mm -hmm. so that's a kind of unique relationship to have and it's something that I think about a lot now that um you know people that I was so terrified to meet at that conference are now colleagues of mine or friends of mine you know I was thinking of in terms of you know if you go out you know even the few times that I've gone out to talk to students and you're kind of thinking well these are the people who I'll either be working with or hiring or you know, yeah. be interacting with yeah. uh, in a professional capacity in the yeah. next few years. Yeah, they could be hiring me. Then, you know, yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Um, so going to conference is so important. And I mean, if you think about it, SLIP has been such, such a great experience for me personally. When I think about the Academic Special Libraries Conference, it's really... Uh, close to my heart because mm-hmm. the first year I went when I was a student and then the next year Helene and I did a lightning presentation I was say, that wasn't the year that you presented yeah no it was so the next year so yeah. to go that far in a year was really amazing and um actually to mention Jane Burns again it was so funny at that lightning presentation I name checked Jane Burns in my presentation and she'd been name checked in the two one or two previous presentations yeah. and she was in the room and it was kind of like I'm sorry but you're a superstar yeah. so I think I might get a little clax and then I, like there's sound effect or something that every time someone mentions Jane Burns on the podcast just yeah. the Jane Burns sound effect a bell or something yeah that would be great um so that was amazing so we were there talking about um our own conference that we had organized the day before I was going to say that was just the day it was the day before before. we thought this was a great idea to and it was really good because we were able Mm -hmm. to piggyback on people travelling or taking the day off Mm -hmm. um, work for the Academic Special Libraries Conference to get people to attend our conference which we held in UCD in the evening of the day before I think Mm -hmm. it was a Thursday or something I was so tired and we spent the night before finishing our slides for the presentations we could add in photos and I had done some you know analysis of where we sold tickets and you know that sort of stuff and so that was that was mad I wouldn't do that again but it was a really amazing experience but so we had organized our own slip conference and we had one this year as well and we're currently organizing slip 2018 and so it's a student conference and the idea for it actually started on a twitter chat which was we were having a twitter chat about one of our blog posts I can't remember which one it was now so we have student blog posts guest blog posts and spotlight posts on different um libraries around the country and uh, we try to do a, a Twitter chat for the blog posts, especially the student ones. So, you know, all, so many librarians in Ireland use Twitter. So we can talk about the yeah. topic of, of, you know, to actually have that dialogue about the topic that someone is interested in. And it turns out students have a lot of things to say about the things that they're interested in. They have really good ideas and they have research interests. And especially being a master's degree where everyone has a previous degree or a previous career maybe yeah. that they're coming into. So we come from a, okay, we skew towards the humanity side a lot, but we come yeah, from many different some, backgrounds. I think there's a, a good kind of diversity in the mix certainly. Yeah. To happen now. It's not all just people with you know, an English literature yeah that's true actually especially now that there's more mscs as well it attracts Mm -hmm. people from a more um maybe sciencey or engineering background which is actually really great it's great to get sort of diversity into the profession i think it's sorely needed across all professions and definitely needed in libraries um so we had organized our conference um 
and we had just had amazing support from from UCD really it was fantastic and the students who present people were really enthusiastic about presenting and I was so proud of them you know and I was so happy um that it was going well but it was just kind of an idea from a twitter chat that oh it, it might have even maybe been Michelle Dalton or someone someone had brought it up it was kind of their oh we should have a conference and then we just actually did that I mean we just had that sort of follow through and I think if it wasn't for Helene and I working together on it if it had just been me or if it just been her it might well if it just been Helene it would have got done but if it just been me it it wouldn't necessarily have gotten done it might have had a very good colour-coded plan for it but it might not have happened um so that that was amazing and then we had another one this year which is even bigger I think we kind of had double the attendance and um it was in Pierce Street Library um and they were really supportive of us and they gave us the venue for free so we were able to have free tickets um for attendance for both years and we're going to continue that because it is really important to me that uh, to me that the conference is accessible to people and having targeted at students yeah and it's targeted at students students I can't afford to pay for things like that. I would even love to see um, a bursary available, or to you know, to get sponsorship for a bursary for people to travel to the, our conference as well. Because mm. you know, travel within Dublin, you know, sometimes that bus fare, or you know, um, that Lewis fare or something is too much, and it, it you kind of say, well, that's not in my budget for this week. Or traveling around Ireland, everything here is very Dublin centric. We can't afford to have it outside of Dublin and um, you know Helena lives in London and I um, yeah. I live in Dublin and most people who are here are going to be in Dublin um, so it's hard and it isn't really fair on people who live outside of Dublin they have to travel and pay a lot more for, for the conferences and we also have people who presented both years um, from Ulster University and it's been so great Je- Jessica Bates in Ulster University reached out to us actually originally and said That's oh can we can our students apply for this and I was like absolutely yes I mean I don't think anyone really knows that they're that they're doing this sort of uh, um, library course there um, so it's been really great to kind of bring all the people together and yeah, sort of have bringing all these kind of disparate students yeah yeah that's my place. that's my goal to bring the distant students into the into the fold and then I'll have everyone <laughs> I'll have the full set <laughs> um but actually bringing the three schools together is kind of a passion of mine and both years at the conference I think my favorite part of it or the thing that I found most poignant was that we had a a panel discussion with the three heads of library schools in Ireland mm-hmm. both years and it was uh, Kalpana Shankar from UCD and Marie O'Neill amazing another superstar powerhouse yes. of a person um, uh, from DBS and then Jessica Bates from Ulster and they're they're all fantastic they're, and they all gave up their time they're all very important people and they got, all gave up their time for free to do this but they're all very this. passionate about what they do yeah well. absolutely they really believe in it yeah, so we had panel discussions that I chaired um, both years. The first year, the theme of the conference was the best thing I learned at library school, um, which which I really liked. And then the panel discussion was the worst thing I learned at library school or what I didn't learn at library school. That's a much bigger discussion. Yeah, we kind of had that idea for the whole theme, but we didn't really want to go down the negative route, even though there's a lot to talk about there, you know, especially once you keep get on in your career, kind of like, I wish I'd learned this, you know. Yeah, or just even like if there's, if there's a reasonable amount of time between when you did your qualification and mm-hmm. where you're at now, obviously yeah. things change at such a 
pace that yeah. this is just going to be stuff that there was no way it would have been included in your course yeah like, absolutely what I do uh, it was not stuff that I would have been learning yeah yeah especially because we have you know it's one year full-time but if you compare that around the world you know in america most mlis courses are two years full-time mm. that's just that's a whole a lot of extra time you yeah, know a lot and of them are going distance now as well particularly yeah in the US. yeah a lot of them are distance learning and i think distance learning i don't think i would have been able to do it based on the amount of coursera courses that i've signed up for and never finished or never got past week two i definitely need that um that kind of push of having to show up somewhere so i think distance learning is a lot more difficult than people think and especially if you're working full-time you need to be disciplined some kind of a community around you as well yeah absolutely because i mean it can be a very isolating experience no matter where you are really doing a master's course I know that like um there was a I was reading about this um last week actually there's a study a quite a robust study I'll tweet it from my from this live twitter if I get the reference to it because you know cite your sources but there is a quite a robust study um done in universities in California about um, mental health in mm. um graduate students and I found a very high percentage in a master's student I think it was 37% of master's students experienced depression mm. during their master's degree that's really high um and I think it's important to kind of recognize that and say well there are supports available or maybe we should be you know as a society should be you know pushing for more supports for graduate students now that we you know have that evidence there that it is a very stressful experience but it's also somewhat reassuring to realize if you are a student um that it is hard and people might not talk about how hard it is but it can be very difficult um and it can be difficult even more difficult if you're isolated in what you're doing which is yeah. why I think it's important to get involved in the community when you're a student and it's why I like it being um independent because we can bring like you said like it's not just all UCD students it's not just all DBS students it's kind of bringing those together you know because I mean the reason a lot of the times when I, I talk to a lot of students of library studies and a lot of the time the the choice that people make between UCD or DBS tends to be very practical ones of yeah. well I'm only available in the evening so I'm, go- so I'm going to do the evening course or I want to get this all done in, in one year so I'm going to UCD or I live closer to UCD or you yeah. know it's, it's, just, it's you know, usually working I don't want to take yeah. a year off yeah exactly so it, it it's never um, it's never a kind of personal reason of like oh I hate UCD or I hate DBS it's always yeah. it's always something practical and that's why it's good to have a little bit more diversity in the options that are available because just yeah. doing a one year full time study is not suitable for everyone no it's not suitable for everyone distance really doesn't work for a lot of people yeah or doing kind of purely part time doesn't really work for a lot of people absolutely yeah um, so slip this year as well like our, our 2017 conference it kind of feels like it was so long ago but also mm-hmm. yesterday <laughs> it was in February last Saturday in February that's when we try to have the conference now now that we have planning the third one it's like oh we always do this you know <laughs> we always have it on the last so Saturday in February machine, yeah absolutely um it was it was really amazing we also had such amazing support from from UCD again from DBS um, you know, UCD and the Library Association of Ireland both sponsored our, our event. You know, we're a non-profit organisation. Um, 
or we're a not for profit organization we don't have any income apart from you know sponsorship and sort of self funding um Difficult to which is difficult yeah but I mean I still want to run the organization we are like a registered company I still want to run the organization well and one thing that I'm aiming to have done by next year we're working on it now is to um abide by the what is it, the governance code so it's a practice oh, for yeah for non-profit yes, the good so they're, governance they're guide 50 point yeah absolutely and I mean a lot of them I mean we're a very small organization mm. we started as two people and we've actually brought people onto the committee um this year which is really great it's been we put the call out there at the conference this year and so many people got in touch to say that they wanted to be involved and mm. we're, I was a little overwhelmed by that actually you know this was just something that Helena and I started and it, it's um become this really successful thing in and of itself um that I'm so proud of and I'm so proud that people want to be involved in it and I'm I really want to set up something good that people can get involved with so I spent a lot of time reading about the you know the governance guide and I wrote a code of conduct for you know slip members because I had to write policy documents because I'm a librarian <laughs> yeah social media policy but it's also kind of you know to onboard people to when they join you know they'll have especially they are um, usually students or recent graduates who who are joining that they'll have clear guidelines because I would also never expect someone to give up a huge amount of their time mm -hmm. to slip because they're doing it for free they're volunteering their time so I want to give them really clear guidelines about um, you know what they're able to do I, I, if they have any if anyone actually has any ideas of something that they want to do and they think that slip is a it's the place that they want to do it you know email me anytime we're so open to different ideas or if you want to run a project or host an event mm -hmm. and you want to get involved with us you know we're more than happy to collaborate there um recently there's a dbs um student darrow driscoll who um is doing research about the um careers that um That's librarians right, yes. go into yeah and that's so interesting and you know um people are doing really interesting stuff out there so we were so pleased that he got in contact with us to kind of help promote it um, and you know I found it so interesting when I was actually doing the survey I was like oh yeah this is this is great mm. um, I forget what I was going to say <laughs> <laughs> so um, obviously I think it sort of seems like you hit you know the formula for what was missing students really needed yeah. somewhere to kind of congregate or some a sort of central focal point yeah to to focus around um and, and you guys yeah that sounds really nice thanks right very time. much yeah <laughs> it looked great. like that anyway because it always felt like the you know students were a little bit out in the cold and yeah they were then expected to post yeah. graduation go straight into the working world yeah and it's it's so difficult kind of trying to make that transition yeah um, seamlessly and not that easy no it's not easy at all I mean I'm only two years out from graduating you know so I'm still very new to my career but it's it's so difficult once you graduate because you're not really sure especially for you know people like me and it's a lot of people who haven't worked in libraries before you're not sure what you can apply for you know well can I apply for a librarian position is that you know would I be able to and it's like well you could but you don't have the experience so mm -hmm. you're not going to you're not going to get that job. You can't apply for it, though. Um, yeah. but it's a very so, awkward kind of yeah. weird limbo of a Absolutely. Again, you know? Yeah. And it's it's 
people get very stressed about it and when students talk to me they're no matter what stage in the course they're in even if it's september october they want to know how long did it take you to get a library job mm. once they graduated and it took me you know i finished in august we you know we did kind of september to august with the capstone project and it took me till january to well till christmas to get anything and that was that was an internship in marshes and that was an unpaid internship um and i have to say it's the best internship i ever could have done you know um it it was a lot better than so many there are so many bad internships out there but have a really clear structure yeah yeah they're very kind of disciplined yeah what they do with their interns it's a you know it's a job that you're going to learn things absolutely mentored you're being supported yeah and it's not like it's you're doing something that's really important and vital for for them yeah ability to continue the service yeah and it's not like it's like totally full-time and you're expected Mm -hmm. you know to kind of stuff envelopes as well while you're there really is a structured internship as in you are learning you are having work experience you know that is what it's for and there are i don't know i don't really think it's you know prevalent in the library profession but there are really bad internships out there and i would love I would love marshes to have the opportunity to offer paid internships but you know it's it's because of the funding in the whole sector really that we don't have that but i i would actually love to see the library profession as a whole um come out against unpaid internships yeah. you know Is to really make a stand coming up a lot now with I think so. Nervous about or something that's kind of almost they accept. It's something that's. I think it's something that people are nervous about. It's something that's there because I think it's it's not just libraries as well. It's like everyone who graduated um, around the time I did. You know, it's so difficult to find any work in your industry, mm-hmm. and then it's so difficult to find paid work in your industry. And you know, it's something that's kind of part of getting a job now at this time you know in 2017 that is what it's like you can do a lot of work for free um and the advice that I give to students is is simple and I say it all the time (laughs) but it's that take any paid work you are offered within reason you know um but if it is even if it's not the kind of library you want to work in so say you've had your heart set on public libraries you've always wanted to be a public librarian that's it it's very hard to get a public library job in ireland and say you want to stay here i mean a lot of people have emigrated um everyone but two people that i graduated my philosophy degree with has emigrated really yeah yeah e- everyone's gone everyone i know has left this country basically um that's life now but but if you want to stay in ireland you want you know you want to be a public librarian it's very hard to get that job you can't just apply to public library jobs so the advice that i give to people is think about what it is about public librarianship that you like like really think about what is the day-to-day lived experience that you are searching for in that job is it being user focused Mm -hmm. is it being a public servant in general you know fulfilling a common good um 
so think about that and then look for other jobs in the field that might fulfill that so if you just want to be um you know patron focused a job in an academic library in a kind of user services um role will fulfill that as well so try to apply for those things as well um and you might find that it wasn't actually just public libraries that you wanted to do it was the day-to-day experience that you that you liked so i would say apply for everything don't limit yourself because also if you haven't worked in libraries before like I had you might not know all the different options that are out there and you might not know what you like or what you're good at and you could find that actually you would really like working in a private company and being an information officer and you never would have thought of that before actually because there, there's so many different library jobs that don't have that in the title I think the best collation of them is on iNowledge if that's how people are saying yeah, it I need a library job dot com yeah on the left hand side on the website there they have it's almost like, like a taxonomy of everything mm-hmm. that that a librarian job could be listed under um so use and it's that really mutating a lot yeah. even in the last kind of two to three years it's really accelerated just yeah how many different places you can find something that absolutely might not have librarian on it but it's a librarian's job yeah absolutely and i think students are getting uh, savvier about searching for those kind of things I, think I, I, I find myself being a little bit disappointed sometimes if i'm talking to students and they're still talking about going into either public libraries or academic libraries and mm. they're very kind of blinkered in their mm. focus about well i want to work in this type of a library it's like, well, what, what are the skills that you want to be doing every yeah. day? Don't think about where you're going to be doing them. Yeah. What would you like to be doing every day? Yeah. Would you like to be working with people? Do you like to work with systems? Mm. Do, you, do you like to organise material? Do you like to catalogue and classify? Yeah. Okay, well, just think about doing that. Look at the skill set that a, a, a job listing is looking for and apply for it. Just don't, Absolutely. Look, don't limit yourself. And also, like you said, you don't know. Yeah. You have a huge amount of experience. Like, I probably wouldn't have really known what aspects of library work I enjoyed until I got a chance to do yeah of the different things absolutely and I think sometimes um it it might sound a little shallow but I really don't think it is think about what you want your work day to be like so Mm. if you really don't want to work on your own um you know if you work way better in big groups of people you know it's apply to big organizations well you should Mm. apply for everything but really think about you know what you want your day-to-day work to be you know do you um because I don't think I would like to work on my own all the time I don't think I would do my best work like that I like working with other people yeah um so they're the kind of roles that I look for and that's what I really like about UCD is because obviously it's a pretty big library there's a lot of people there you know yeah absolutely like I have moved you know department there is good opportunity to move around so that's my advice about paid work which is because we should pay people for their labor you know but there are so many volunteering opportunities in libraries um or you know with things like slip but you only have so much time and you only have so much emotional labor. So only volunteer for things that you know you enjoy. Yeah. You so you have to think about the volunteering stuff as good in and of itself. Yeah, you that have to you enjoy, enjoy it, it for itself. Or yeah. else there's no point. If Absolutely. Think, if you're doing it for some sort of higher purpose and mm-hmm. a road towards getting a job, if you're just kind of slogging it out doing the, the volunteering stuff, yeah. because you think it's going to be towards a yeah. paid job that's not always it's serious. not yeah yeah but it's really hard to like I was thinking you know, much as I like to say to people oh you shouldn't have to take unpaid work mm-hmm. 
I know if I was in that position and I didn't have experience and I'd just come out of doing the qualification and I was just looking for something to kind of bulk up my CV and give me an idea of, of what it's like to work in the library, of mm-hmm. course I'm going to take any opportunity that's available to me. I think yeah. sometimes the responsibility is not on the person at the most vulnerable end of that ladder, it's on the person who's hiring. To Absolutely. Sure because I Absolutely. feel like, you know, if I'm given a choice, if I'm told that I have you know, a project to do and I have an option to hire people, um, I'm going to fight to try and make sure that I can get them some money for the yeah. job they're doing and to the point of like I won't maybe end mm-hmm. up pursuing a project if my only option for getting it done is to have people doing quite a skilled job but not paying them absolutely um, and I, I think that's that maybe they end up with half of it being volunteer and at some point there will be budget to pay but ideally the end goal should always be if if this job requires a person with a very particular skill set, then they need to be paid for the work yeah. because it devalues the work that's being done. It devalues the overall service. It devalues me if mm-hmm. I go to my you know, management or if I go to the pers- person with the purse strings in my organization and they say, no, get an intern. Yeah. The, the responsibility is on me to say no and here's why because yeah. what I do is important. It's valuable. It's a skill. It requires someone who has this this and this very specific skill set they need to be paid for the work. yeah and it's real work mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and it's a brave position to take and i think a lot of people wouldn't be wouldn't be that brave and well, in all of their thing I, you know i've had people do you know volunteer work yeah. before as well yeah and i think if it's a project that needs to be done properly yeah because there's a certain level of accountability as well if i have someone working for me for free you know giving me their time I think I need to give something back to them. Yeah. So from my perspective, in terms of bringing someone in, it's more time consuming for me if I have someone who is a, vo- is a volunteer because I feel like to be able to be in any way sort of ethical about it, I need to give them some opportunity yeah. to learn. I need to kind of, kind of ask them if there are things that they want to, to work on while they're... Kind of me. a mentorship yeah. sort, sort of relationship. But it's more time yeah. for me. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas if I'm paying someone, I can expect them to come in knowing kind of how to do the job, knowing immediately how, you know, yeah. what, what's expected of them and being able to... Yeah, and I think that's a certain amount from them. That's and, a really good argument. Developing, you know, you're developing a colleague and someone who's working with you and not for you. Yeah, that's a really good way of looking at it as well. That people maybe haven't thought about it that way, and they can bring to other people in their organization and present it like that, and say, "Well, you're going to lose this many hours from me if we get someone unpaid." that we're not going to lose if we get and and you know you could yeah. even put a number on that and because say that, that and you pay me this yeah. much and that many hours is this much money which is, that, yeah that's how these positions end up happening you know, yeah that librarians are stretched they're not we're not ever any of us even those of us who work in very big libraries none of us are adequately resourced mm-hmm. and so you have a project that needs to be done you have a very limited budget and you have to decide where the money goes yeah and you're financial directors are always going to push for you to get cheap labor yeah yeah responsibility is is on you to say no part of the funding for this has to be yeah people to do and and to make that a requirement of it expect me to manage a team of people who are working for free then you're losing my time as well yeah because i'm going to have to spend a lot more time kind of working with them mentoring them mm-hmm. offering them an opportunity to learn from this experience because otherwise i'm exploiting people and yeah it's not a nice thing to do yeah absolutely and i think it would be really nice um 
as a profession if I mean also I'm very aware that it's I'm sort of hypocritical saying this because I took an unpaid internship but, I but, I, but, but when you say it's a position yeah and I was so lucky that I was in the position you know unbelievably fortunate that I was in the position that I was able to take unpaid work you know um very few people are in that position yeah, that can take and it means that the people I who get the experience are the privileged people, people. Getting, you know taking unpaid work I seem yeah. to be like well I don't think I would be able to spend yeah. any significant period of time working and not being paid yeah I have to pay <laughs> bills <laughs> I have rent I have, yeah I have to keep a roof over my head yeah no one is in a position to do that so it, it almost yeah. it, it immediately limits the pool of who is available to absolutely well it's only people who live nearby it's people who have not got yeah. huge financial responsibilities mm-hmm. obviously people from a socioeconomic it background yeah maybe someone who went back to to retrain who has kind of more financial responsibilities or more family responsibilities mm-hmm. can't do your work so it limits yeah. you right down to so you're almost kind of you're socially constricting absolutely available to work yeah. for you and that in itself is is wrong yeah it's wrong, it's wrong. exclusionary so many that. levels yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah oh wow it shouldn't be this hard to to make the argument that people should be paid for their work but I think that it would be great I mean I would be confident about doing that with with slip as you know to say that we support no unpaid internships that that is I mean I I, I think it's different for maybe work experience type things where it's, you know when you get work experience before you do the course that's a very short amount of time that's you know for six weeks and it's for a specified purpose so I'm not saying any anything like that but but something like you said that requires skills that's something that is a job that is yeah. work um it, it needs to be paid and if we could as a profession all of the professional bodies i don't know whether it be the library association mm-hmm. or something to come out and say you know that we we don't support this and to give people a toolkit to say to their funders or to the funding bodies or whatever projects they're working on you know a toolkit to say no we need to employ people for this or where in the budget for this is our budget for the person to do all of this digitization or whatever yeah budgeting for something is the person to do the job yeah like you wouldn't dream of doing a large-scale project and um you know requiring say um an accountant Mm -hmm. or requiring very specific accountancy skills you would never dream of saying, well, why don't we do this, but just like not, we, we won't pay for yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Or if you needed to, to build something and you need an architect to do it, you wouldn't dream of saying, well, we'll pay for all the materials and everything, but we won't pay for an architect yeah. skills, we won't pay for the builder to, to build the thing. Absolutely. Um, and yet it's okay to do that if you're a library. Yeah, so absolutely. It values everything. Um, yeah. I don't know whether maybe charters or some kind of you know, agreements mm. for, like, if you are going to hire someone as an unpaid in an unpaid position to have an agreement beforehand yeah. of this is what we expect this is what you're going to get out of it yeah kind of standardized contracts yeah. almost because we do talk a lot about you know um setting up mentorship programs in I, it's been talked about a lot this year actually mm-hmm. I know Marie O'Neill has talked about it and other people have talked up, about yeah. it it comes up like comes yeah up and, and it's something that I think that we can do. and I think it's something that we should do I would love to be involved with SIP would love to be involved with that I think that we're perfectly poised as a student represent or organization representing students in Ireland to help facilitate that um, and I'd love to be part of it and I think that we can do it because if you look at 
other things that we have done in the last year you know SIP was involved with the information professionals network um which was lots of different groups it was you know Marie and DBS and it was UCD and it was MPD and you know loads of people I left loads of people out but loads of different people were involved and we had a careers expo and it with the idea of the information professional network is to reach out directly to industry and to let them know that they need us yeah. because they do need us and they either don't know that they need us or they're advertising for these jobs without the word librarian in it and and we also talked to you know recruitment agencies which was really great because they're the people who can then look at a job description and say no no, no you need an MIS grad for this yeah. that's what this job is you know so that's really exciting and I think that that's going to continue and just get get bigger so if we were able to just do that you know we we had an idea for it I was brought on board um you know and we then we actually just had the careers expo and it was very really successful why not just actually do we could actually do slip and have two through now three conferences we can do the mentorship and and it is asking it is asking for free labor from people again but in a different sort of way and if we can tie that into that you know both sides are, are getting something there that would be great yeah a kind of a fair yeah, exchange it's, it's a fair exchange yeah yeah and there's a lot of unofficial mentorship that happens really it happens you know? all the time anyway I think yeah. as, I mean, as you said at the beginning of this conversation mm. when you first contacted librarians when, yeah. when you first contact li- contacted libraries um, about getting work experience they were putting you in contact with other people yeah. it happens quite naturally yeah you know we support each other we kind of offer advice to people we're just the best people to. really aren't we <laughs> are we we're just good that, that whole thing again of just you know librarians <laughs> getting together and patting themselves on the back about how great they yes are. yeah um, yeah I think, I think we do really well on the librarians all together mm. um what is inspiring in something like the information professionals network is beginning to have the conversation with people outside of our own profession yeah. and that's where the yeah absolutely because that can be scary especially when it's um you know industries that we might not have historical ties to i mean you know librarians are more comfortable talking to you know lecturers and stuff now because we've done it for a long time but yeah academic or more sort of cerebral environment whereas going in and speaking to someone where the decision is made purely on from you know a cost benefit analysis or the financial bottom line yeah you really need to learn how to speak that language absolutely that, because that, when you think training, about it you know, it's, it's it's only being around that sort of corporate environment that kind of gets you into the mindset of well this is this is how i convince this person they're going to be convinced yeah. by you know a financial argument or you know this person mm. is convinced by you know hard statistical data mm. that's how i'll get them you just need to kind of adapt your argument because it's hard to make the financial argument for libraries because we just let people take things for free <laughs> and if they promise to bring it back you know that is the kind of yeah. essential reason behind it. it it makes me think about i read about it a lot and i see a lot of people say it a lot of librarians as well oh isn't it great libraries are neutral as if that's one good or two true mm-hmm. because it's it's not yeah, true at all if you think okay what does a library do it yeah it, yeah it collects curates protects preserves and disseminates information to everyone mm-hmm. for free that is deeply radical a deeply radical political act mm-hmm. it is and i think if you're if you don't think that you just uh, you know you just haven't th- 
taught maybe long enough about inequality yeah. and and I I you know could somehow forgive people for saying it because the worldview that they have you know might be what they, well, they uh, misunderstand neutrality the ability to present all sides of an argument and the ability to present a multifaceted perspective on something mm. is neutrality yeah. it's not the same like we regularly tell people that they're wrong yeah Don't bluntly say it like that but i certainly know if i'm you know working with students if they're doing something that is wrong yeah if they're going in the wrong direction yeah it is pointed out to them quite quickly mm-hmm. and there were lots of people it's not in their it's not in their best interest and it's certainly not in mine my job is to tell them you know to show them how to do something yeah and there are are lots of people and a lot of organizations or politicians who do want to restrict people's access Mm -hmm. to information based on who they are or what kind of person they think they are or you know what they've done in their life and libraries are firmly against that it is for everyone um and i think sometimes you forget that there are people or there are organizations who don't want that to be the case they don't want libraries to be you know free and open access like yeah. if you look at um really amazing um librarians in america like alison macrina in mm-hmm. who spoke at the academic special libraries conference you know they have a lot clearer um threats to to yeah. the the freedom of information in in america that um, is being fought against but I don't think that we should be um, complacent in Ireland or in the no, EU in general absolutely no position to be complacent yeah. I think um, we have exactly the same level of threats it's just mm. that um, they're m- much more insidious yeah. you know, they're, 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 they're not as obvious yeah absolutely you know, sometimes it's almost easy to have a clear enemy yeah we're, yeah we're sometimes in, we're in slightly muddier water yeah it's hard to fight something that's a nebulous cloud yeah it's difficult yeah (laughs) (laughs) absolutely yeah we'll just stand around patting each other on the back and we'll we'll figure it out no but i but i think that we are well equipped to to um you know it sounds very dramatic but to fight those threats but i can't think of a non-dramatic way to say it we are well equipped to do it um but we we like a lot of things have to have more follow through about it and I, you know there are there is amazing work being done by librarians in Ireland and in the EU um but sometimes we just need to do it have a little bit more library confidence and, and do it more yeah, yeah. Do. That, but that that takes time you know yeah it takes a while for you to get to the point where you can go to someone yeah. and say the skills that I have are valuable they need to be paid for yeah bring someone else in with the same kind of skills as me they still need to be paid for this yeah. um, if you don't pay for something you devalue it yeah absolutely and i think that we can support each other in doing that as well because we're all facing those problems um so if we can support each other in terms of how to tackle them like some sort of collaborative toolkit of dealing with those problems yeah um, just kind of working to protect people against falling into those traps of yeah absolutely exploitative internships or exploitative kind of work yeah situations where they're not gaining where they're neither gaining experience or any kind of financial reward for them yeah absolutely um and i don't i don't know if that is a huge problem in libraries but what's definitely a problem in libraries no no absolutely not but it's definitely a problem that 
you know it, it's a similar skill set to you know projects being underfunded and mm. you know if you look at you know um the the level of funding given to um other industries compared mm. to you know the level of funding given to you know library projects or something in in this sort of sector i mean it, they're not even comparable it's really i mean you're literally comparing millions of euro to five thousand euro yeah. you know it's it's really ridiculous um and i think that sometimes you can you get we we get so used to like when obviously i haven't been in the industry very long but i look i look, looked back through you know so many years of financial statements for a different organization because i got really into well how much is this being cut you hear a lot mm-hmm. of times about you know budgets being cut and i look through and say how much are things being cut and sometimes you just get so used to having so little that you don't think you're not asking for something big enough that actually you should just ask for something so much bigger yeah you know and and sometimes you know yeah like you said you get used to working within small amounts yeah i was at something recently that Mm -hmm. here through work and it was a budget submissions and someone you know in a position of influence in terms of finances said actually what you're asking for is very small in in the grand mm. scheme of things and it's it's lining up things that are already there you know sometimes we work yeah. in such small pools of money that we don't even have the ability to think on grand scales yeah absolutely i mean it's something that even that we found with slip which was you know you know we have we do obviously have expenses we have yearly expenses for you know the website and things like that and our you know conference has expenses and we were you know almost completely uh, or we it almost covered all the costs the sponsorship that we had for the conference but at a certain point you're you kind of think how much you know i had a sponsorship level sort of you know to market it and you know to send people and i was like well what can we ask for because sometimes you're just sort of making it up but obviously we base it on costing Mm. saying because when you start to think about it you're like oh god i don't want to ask for too much i don't want to be you know very greedy sounding but yeah. then you think about it and you know, sit well, down I, and you I, say I would think that way yeah too. I would think well I can't get away with asking yeah. for this amount of money but then realistically sometimes you do and, yeah and absolutely it, it, it's only in working with people probably people who don't you know who aren't librarians who are outside of the profession that would be used to dealing with really large budgets and used to putting in kind of big pitches for things yeah. where they would say look you have to yeah if you think this is what it's going to cost you know go in pitch high yeah. All they can do is say no. You, know, if you pitch high, they might come back and say we can't something give you lower. That much. Yeah, we can give you half of it. Yeah, and you could then work. Work, yeah, because when we were, you know, I sat down and worked out the costs. It was like, well, what are the costs? You know, we we've no tickets, but we have no venue venue um fee, which which was huge because that is a re- a really large um mm. expense for for a lot of people as well librarians tend to be good about giving each other you know spaces if they have them for you know reduced rates or free or something and Pier Street were great to us um but then you're looking at so but you don't have ticket income there so you know it's all through sponsorship it's like well how many people fit in the room so that's how many people we can have there we need to feed them (laughs) how much does that cost we need to have public liability insurance how much does that cost Mm -hmm. you know you have all of these other things people need to print out all the name badges how much does that cost when you actually sit down like I actually these that is my bread and butter you have yeah events. i could talk about that for six hours a, um, a feedback <laughs> form again saying well you didn't have you know, 
there was not enough spoons <laughs> well actually I would write that in if there wasn't enough spoons because that's a good thing to know but I that is actually based on a real event that I went to which um, had tea and coffee and no spoons so people were just sort of digging out tea bags um, from hot cups of tea with their fingers it was a student event <laughs> Um, but you know I actually really enjoyed that that was probably apart from you know customer facing roles mm-hmm. organising the conference was the biggest buzz for me organising all of those putting all those different threads together um, to organise the conference and um, figuring out how much all the different things are going to cost how we're going to print everything mm-hmm. in time I spent the night before the conference this behind the scenes of slip I spent the night before the conference cutting out all the name badges and putting them in the little name badge holder because yes. you know the, the we don't have it just perfect oh absolutely <laughs> yeah so what's next on the cards with Slip um, next the conference coming up next yeah between now and then I will be in UCD and DPS I haven't asked them yet but I was there last year and I'll probably be there this year uh, talking to the new students about what we do um, and I would love to hear from students we, we do have some blog posts coming up I will have some blog posts up that I've written you know some slip posts we do some advice series blog posts so um, I wrote a job searching blog post last year which was which was um, really good actually it got a lot of engagement it was three week series on um searching for jobs applying for jobs and doing job interviews so that was that was really great so we're going to do sort of similar stuff this year we're going to have posts from students original blog posts from students and um, if you are a student or recent graduate and you have you're working on something like we had something recently someone's working on um prison libraries um that's really interesting actually yeah and we actually had two presentations at the conference this year about prison libraries which is so interesting because it's a really important aspect of our profession and it's not touched on that much i think in any library course really it, I, it is very niche though but um so that was really interesting so hopefully we'll have more interesting sort of research areas there we'll have spotlights and spotlight posts about um libraries around the country different libraries our most recent one there was on the johnson medical library oh yeah I saw that. yeah that's really, so that, yeah that's really interesting that was written by um jesse who's involved step as well he's mm-hmm. great and um so other than that we hope to do have more events um but the main one at the moment on the cards is um slip 2018 so we don't have a date yet but watch this space watch for this space. yeah okay. watch this so space. i'll put the the link to um your website up yeah on, um, it's sliparland.com and you can follow us on twitter please follow us on twitter it's Dude, slip yes, ireland yeah You're yeah we <laughs> i haven't been so active over the summer it's mm-hmm. it's sort of dwindled a little bit but if you want library related gifs then or gifs if you say it wrong (laughs) absolutely yes the biggest compliment i ever received in my entire life yeah it it, it honestly is the biggest compliment i've ever received was someone at the academic i won't say who someone at the academic and special libraries conference (laughs) said to me you're so good on twitter and (laughs) i could have died happy (laughs) in that moment (laughs) that was it yeah. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> and we do have a facebook page as well we couldn't get at slip ireland so we're at student librarians ireland but all the links um to that is on our website there and you can email me actually if you have any ideas for anything or you just want to talk about slip um you can email me claire c-l-a-r-e at slip cool so loads of ways for people to get in touch yeah thanks a million for talking to me claire i think we've solved a lot of problems there um, absolutely yeah that's always my we goal just need to get started on 
story with me. Um, if you want to find out more about SLIP and any of their upcoming events, check them out at slipireland.com or you can follow them on Twitter at slipireland. Tune in to episode 17 which will be coming up next week um, where I will be talking to Shona Toma about New Professionals Day. Um, if you want to get advanced notification of when new episodes are available, considering they're pretty erratically released, do subscribe on iTunes and while you're there, give us a rate um, and maybe a review. We're just a tiny little podcast in search of validation, so we'd really appreciate it. Librarians Allowed is produced and presented by Laura Rooney Ferris. Music and editing are by Michael Ferris. Thank you.